0: Hello, this is Shmuel Tenenhouse of the Shmuel Tenenhouse Podcast. Welcome to season two of the Shmuel Tenenhouse Podcast. In case I fail to mention it or you don't remember already, this is the Shmuel Tenenhouse Podcast with your host, Shmuel Tenenhouse. So uh, we switch back to the mikvah song by Shlema Muchkin. Thank you. What a great song. And uh, lots of uh, pressure from the Jewish community after I switched from the mikvah song to Missy Elliott. Um, you know, a lot of phone calls and hate mail. And so uh, just caving to pressure and uh, going back to mikvah. Now, uh, I'm very excited for season two. If you thought season one was terrible, uh, season two uh, looks like it's going to be even worse. So hold on to your seats very tightly. I'm excited. And just to explain uh, why after three episodes we cut to the second season is because uh, due to my immaturity and lack of patience, I felt I wasn't making enough progress uh, with my podcast. And so just saying, hey, it's the end of the season, now we're going to start a, a second season. For whatever reason, psychologically, it's it's done wonders for me. And uh, other things that I do in a similar vein is if I'm reading a large book or trying to, again, I don't read any more uh, books, but when in, on an occasion that it does happen and it's taking me too long to finish the book, I absolutely will take a knife, cut it up into 12 sections and read each one separately to feel like I'm Uh, finishing and reading 12 books anyways uh so yeah great to be back here and uh you know i started at the bottom uh in terms of podcasting and uh still at the bottom uh but uh live to see another day and uh some anecdotes somebody was in my show yes a couple days ago and they he's from los angeles and uh he told me that him and his wife listened to the podcast so that's amazing and then uh, I have a cousin of mine from South Africa he told me he listened to the podcast and most importantly yesterday I was had the ex, yeah the honor of davening Shacharis in 770 and somebody bumped into me and said no we're season 2 and uh, because it was a uh, from compliment of sorts it had to be accompanied with a Backslap, and that was, hey, I do listen to it, but I do listen to it in very fast speed, like 2x or 3x. I don't know exactly what he said. And so I know that there are people out there that listen to this in a very fast speed because they're like, hey, I want to listen to this, but I don't want to commit all the time. Uh, you guys think you're so smart, and uh, I have a message for you, and I'm going to completely outsmart you. Uh, In three seconds, one, two, three. You are listening to this podcast on high speed, but what I can do is talk really, really slow so that when you do try to speed it up, you think something is wrong because it sounds normal. Okay, so uh, sorry for that. Last week I, was, I went to, on vacation. Uh, we, my wife and I went to North Carolina uh, it was a great place uh, if you want to go and not see as many yamacas per capita as you see here in Florida. And I just figured uh, before the world comes to complete end, always good to get uh, in that last uh, vacation. So ours was uh, North Carolina. And uh, there's definitely we're definitely living in a time of war. Some of the images are quite shocking. Whenever you see uh, an invasion from, you know, one people into a different space. Uh, it makes you think. And, uh, you know, somebody was just sharing a satellite image of a huge convoy, maybe a five mile long convoy of, um, I think it was Honda Odysseys, uh, slowly moving their way down the I-95 from the tri-state area to Florida. They're all moving here. Um, we also see Uh, I think heading in from a different direction, if that's even possible, uh, about a three-mile-long convoy of uh, Toyota Siennas also making their way slowly with uh, large Jewish families moving on to Florida. And, uh, you know, uh, people are sheltering uh, in various uh, kosher restaurants all over Florida I think there are people down in the the basement of Meat Bar and Asiatica, people are sheltering in place. And it looks like uh, Harding Street is going to fall completely. Um, yeah, it's falling completely. And down, we got Boca taken care of, Aventura we got, we got Coral Springs, all the way up to Tampa, it looks like um, the the Jews have... Uh, completely uh, ambushed the state of Florida and uh, <clears throat> it looks like the rest is history. Uh, we want as many Jews to move here to squeeze out every last drop of whatever dollars left in that step-up account that the state has. Thank you. Uh, I, I want to just mention for all everybody who lives in Florida or anybody who has friends in Florida, if you say something along the lines of, yeah, our shul is busting at the seams or, you know, our, the school has a wait list. Uh, don't think you're that special because all you have to do is have a Jewish organization in Florida and you are already busting at the seams. All you have to do literally is open your door. Uh, you don't even have to be good. You know, I know people that uh, are killing it, so to speak. Uh, In their shul or in their camp, and they're not really that good at running an organization or that good at even being people, right? I don't even like some of these people, but they're just killing it. And uh, these days in Florida, there's so many, there's such an influx of Jewish people that all a person really has to do is, if you walk down the street and you're wearing a Star of David, you will have, you know, you know, within a couple of minutes. You know, parents following you, trying to sign up kids in case you're opening up a kin- kindergarten, people stopping you, asking you if you know where the closest shul or, or mikvah is. But again, don't don't take any credit for it. It has nothing to do with you. It just has to do with the vast amount of people and the economics of supply and demand. Uh, I wanted to just mention here that last week I spoke to somebody. I'm not going to mention their name because it is confidential. And they told me that they're. Psychi- psychiatrists suggested that they take medication. And uh, that was definitely one of the dumbest things I ever heard this person say. And they say a lot of dumb things. Uh, that is just because uh, a psychiatrist, their job is to prescribe medication. Uh, so it's like saying, yeah, my trainer said that I need to get into shape or uh, my dietitian said I have to eat healthier. Of course, a psychiatrist is not going to tell you everything is okay. I think you just need a different perspective, some meditation, and exercise. If, if they would do that, they would completely go out of business. And so just something to consider if you're ever thinking of saying the following thing, my psychiatrist thinks I need to be on medication. Uh, they are definitely not uh, the most subjective group of people. And I'm not saying that you don't need medication. The other person does need uh as many tranquilizers, I think, to take down a a large horse or stallion. Uh, I'm just saying. Next thing I wanted to get into, oh, by the way, before I forget, in this new season, there will be interviews with other people. That is correct. That means you will not just have to hear my voice. I will have other people on the podcast. We will have a guest later on this podcast. His name is Schlemi Klein, he is the publisher of Flashix Magazine. Last or last episode, that was way back when in the first season, about a couple of weeks ago, I was cracking some jokes about Flashix Magazine, and somehow people did not heed my request of sharing or not sharing this podcast, and it got back to him. And so he graciously uh, agreed to do an interview. So if you're curious and want to learn more about Flashix Magazine, um. Uh, hang on and that interview will come later on in this podcast so I wanted to talk a little bit today about extreme sports and uh, for people who like to go skydiving and other hair raising activities so if you happen to be in South Florida and you really again like getting afraid uh, like getting uh, afraid Or pushing yourself to the max uh, I highly suggest you go grocery shopping at Kosher Kingdom anytime after you know Tuesday 2 p.m. until before Shabbos Um, there's a whole lot of things going on there but uh, that parking lot is uh, a very uh, precarious place to bring a vehicle Uh, people are making turns in all directions, all at the same time. The spots are narrow, so each parking lot, each parking space fits fits about, you know, two or three tires of your vehicle, max. Um, And that's just in the parking lot. Also, you have a lot of Florida seniors driving in there. That adds to the whole uh, chaos. But I wanted to talk a little bit more about the interior of the store, and uh, this is not just, I would say, limited to kosher kingdom. I would say this has to do with uh, a lot of other kosher grocery stores, both here in South Florida. And I would say, you know, the trend probably started in New York, where you have, uh, you know, aisles and aisles of overpriced kosher food uh, available um, to help usher in uh, a bankruptcy for you and your family as quickly as possible. But in addition to that, so, for some reason, every kosher grocery store decided that they have to offer you every sort of fresh food variety uh, that exists under the sun. So uh, there is, has to be a mandatory law. If you have a kosher grocery store, there needs to be somebody uh, making sushi. I mean, you can get shut down by the health department if you don't have a sushi section in your kosher grocery store. Next thing we have is a bakery. Uh, fresh bakery because how could you have a sushi shop in a kosher grocery store without a bakery next thing we have is a pizza shop so kosher kingdom literally has a pizza shop in the back of their store because of course when you're grocery shopping and you're buying sushi and baked goods of course you need to have a pizza shop the next thing we have is there is a hot dog uh, maker in the store in one of the aisles. So if you eat pizza and then you wanna, you're still shopping 45 or an hour later, 45 minutes, an hour later, or you just wanna rinse your mouth, you can go from the pizza shop directly to the fresh hot dogs that they have there. Of course, there is a fresh bakery on site. Then you got a guy in aisle seven, just uh, tossing up fresh falafels if you want a falafel. If you go a little further in aisle nine, There's actually a store employee lying flat on a shelf. He could uh, whip up some tuna sandwiches for you if you want tuna sandwiches. Uh, There are various other carving stations everywhere. And this, again, is on top of the very narrow uh, aisles. And, uh, you know, you got the cotton candy machine, of course, going. So when you bring your kids there, um, they... uh, can get extra wild by getting that and uh, somehow uh every kosher grocery store decided that they also uh have to be sort of like a a food expo when you go there that there's got to be uh everything uh there as well so again if you're into extreme sports i would recommend going to kosher kingdom try getting there uh on a friday and go with a large suv if you really want to maximize your fun parking do want to talk a little bit about um the uncertainty that uh Uh, we have in the in the world right now uh, just in terms of again we're in a time of war unfortunately with uh, Russia invading Ukraine it could be a very scary time particularly for children and I wanted to give you some advice on how to speak to your children about war so uh, you basically tell them uh, yes I know there could be carnage you tell your kid but on the flip side if there will be tanks rolling down the street here, high probability that schools will be closed for a couple of days. And I think your kids, if they hear that, I don't think anything else is going to matter. And I think you can just put it to bed right there. Um, just the, 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 the no school perk. Um, I wanted to talk about, again, also in terms of all the uncertainty that is happening in the world and alternative investments like Bitcoin and gold and the price of oil soaring. So, I have my own hack of where I'm putting um, all that uh, excess cash uh, that I have in my imagination, where, where I'm putting it to work. Uh, so, uh, if, you know, I'm, I want, I'm, I'm looking for things that um, will appreciate the most over a long period of time. And so, what I'm doing with all my extra monies is buying. Uh, kosher groceries, uh, particularly like vacuum-packed cold cuts, because again, you know, the price for that is going up, you know, every minute by a couple percentage points. And so, you know, gold can only go up so much. I would think the same thing for Bitcoin. But you know that there's no cap on, um, you know, vacuum-packed. In fact, other uh, other things that I'm putting money into is uh, kosher cream cheese, buying Khol straw cream cheese, because, Again, if you want to get uh the best returns possible, you can see uh, returns of three four hundred percent uh you know every couple of months uh, you know i uh, would highly recommend you invest in a diversified hall visra portfolio uh, I want to now read an ad which I haven't actually written down but uh like I said, we don't have any paid advertisers for the show, but it's all about uh, fake it till you make it and manifestation of what we want to get to. So here goes. Uh, are you feeling lonely? Uh, yes, you definitely are because you are listening to this podcast, even if you are a wise-ass listening at you know three times the normal speed. Uh, do you not have any friends uh, just because you have a horrible personality and uh, bad hygiene. Well, I wanted to tell you about MailChimp. Uh, MailChimp is a website that you can go to and this company will actually send you a a male chimpanzee to your house. Uh, They don't have any um, females or women for whatever reason. Maybe they just, um, they like staying at their company. But if you wanted to have your own little monkey running around, go to MailChimp.com. No more lonely times for you. You will have a companion. And uh, if you put it at checkout, the Shmuel Tenant House podcast, you will not get any discount. But you will make my day. Thank you very much. Okay, moving right along. The next Thing I wanted to talk about is uh, that my wife and I are on a huge, huge uh, lifestyle change slash uh, kick. It's only started a couple of weeks ago, and I'll explain to you what it is that we're doing and why it is that we found ourselves in this situation and why this was the, uh, the only option. So uh, some of the things that we've been doing, just again in in, in terms of upping our physical health, is uh, and we want to be superhumans, is uh, we're doing Regeneron now on a regular basis. Uh, we drop to the floor, do push-ups and pull-ups. We haven't slept in about a week. And uh, this is all because, like potentially many of you, we want to get our child into in Camp Stroll overnight camp. And you never know what time they'll decide to arbitrarily open the registration. And we know that the registration only lasts about 15 seconds. And so one of us always has to be up. We have a fresh uh, pot of coffee that's constantly being brewed. My wife and I both have beepers because, again, it's possible that somebody... Uh, will turn on the camp registration that 15 second window will go by so quickly and so what we're trying to do to combat that is in in general we don't sleep in the bedroom anymore we are sleeping on the kitchen floor Uh, we have sleeping bags Um, we have uh, a a bell system in the house that uh, if we get some sort of notification that registration has opened we will immediately drop everything that we're doing. If one of us is driving a car, we'll pull over, you know, potentially just stop in the middle of the highway uh, and let people know that, hey, wait a second, I know this is a busy thoroughfare, but Camp Kaniasrong registration now is open for 15 seconds and they have about 1,000 kids applying, 400 of which is re- are related to the camp director. So we're on tier two or tier three already. Uh, so, very stressful time, but this is a sacrifice that we feel is the right thing to do as a parent. We definitely want to spend a fortune of money uh, to send our kid uh, to an overnight camp where he'll be bullied by other uh, Lubavitcher kids. Uh, and uh, he'll come back with you know, a couple pairs of socks if we're lucky in an empty suitcase, and so we, as good parents, are going to make it happen. So a friend of mine uh, in Seattle told me, uh, gave me the ultimate compliment. She told me I have the perfect face for podcasting. Thank you. And she gave me the suggestion that we should start an advice segment on this podcast where people who have questions, want advice, you know, from me, on a on a host of topics. Uh, you know, you want to deal with anxiety around uh, tuition, other recreational uh, forms of drugs, and how to budget for them. Um, Self help books, anything that could really uh, add some value. So she recommended I start an advice segment on the podcast and I liked her suggestion. And so starting this podcast onwards, we're going to have uh, uh, an advice segment. If you want to get in touch for a future segment, send me an email at podcast at gmail.com. So uh, the first question comes from somebody completely made up because this is the first time I'm doing it. And the question is, hey, Shmuel, I know you talk about cannabis on your show. What are your thoughts on Delta 8? Okay, so that is a great question uh, that nobody asked me. And uh, I'll dive right into it. So uh, I would say the best way to... uh, give you a distinction between real THC cannabis versus uh, Delta eight is, uh, imagine that you, uh, have this great dairy ice cream. It's just delicious. And then next to it, you have, um, a par of, you know, vegan sugar-free, uh, Ice cream uh, that is, uh, has completely melted and then got refrozen and repeated that cycle five, six times. At some point in time, while it was frozen, one of the times where it was defrosting and got frozen, uh, you were in a barber shop and the par of ice cream fell on the floor and got swept up together with all the hair then you put it back into uh, your container of ice cream uh, i would say that that would be the equivalent at that point of eating uh, that power of ice cream with all the hair on it would be considered delta 8 versus uh, good old THC cannabis, which would be more akin to soft-serve milchaka ice cream, uh, and if you, su- you should be so brave, even uh, non-chal which from my understanding is a whole other level. That would be the THC, and the Delta-8 would be that disgusting other thing. I do not recommend it. It is gross. It doesn't smell good. It doesn't have any of the uh, effects that cannabis does, and uh, that is my suggestion. Don't do it. I would say the same thing for CBD. CBD is, uh, in my opinion, completely fake. And uh, if you're going to do something, I would stick to regular THC cannabis. Okay, so now we're going to uh, get right into a different topic, and that is about antisemitism. And on the last podcast, I had made light about antisemitism and uh saying that you know there's more jews so there's more anti-semitism but the truth is that uh, anti-semitism is real and i have experienced it and i continue to experience it on a daily basis and uh i want to share what that is i want to open up and uh you can see that uh my podcast is not very popular at all on Spotify and iTunes. Why is that, you ask? It's obviously anti-Semitic. And uh, if you are going to respond and say, hey, well, your podcast, first of all, is awful. Second of all, it's new. Nobody knows about it. Uh, that's why it's not doing well. I will, I will respond back to you and say, well, now you're also sounding like an anti-Semite because I'm a Semite. You're anti-me, so you're an anti-Semite. And so, uh, yes, anti-Semitism is very real, and I'm experiencing right now uh, with a lack of listeners and subscribers to my podcast And uh, it's okay, because like I said, you know, I like to keep things on the DL. Uh, I will say that with uh, anti-Semitism, some of the conspiracy theories that people have are oftentimes hilarious, and I'll give you one example. So, uh, you know, some of the conspiracies that there is uh, a group of, Jewish people that get together and decide how to run the world. Uh, whoever believes in that clearly has not met any Jewish people or has never been on a conference call with anybody Jewish because if you're ever on a conference call and there's more than two Jews, all you will hear is people screaming at each other like it's a you know a tennis match going back and forth. Um, and there's nobody that is going to agree on anything. And so the fact, you know, the idea that there is uh, a group of Jewish people that agree on on anything, on how to take over the world, is, yeah, again, is, is completely laughable to me. And if you wanted to see proof of that, you go into a shul, and you can see, you can have a shul, and you have two people saying Kaddish who are uh, sitting at the same table, and they will never say it in sync. Uh, They will not be holding the same place and they will both be frustrated at each other that they cannot agree on the pace of saying Kaddish. Uh, And if you can't have two people saying Kaddish together in a shul, there ain't no way that uh, there's a vast Jewish conspiracy uh, that's being done in tandem to do anything together. Because again, like I said, Jews can't agree on anything. Uh, it is fun sometimes, though, if I'm with another Jewish person, and there's a non-Jewish person together with us in the group, I will make like veiled, uh, veiled remarks to my to the Jewish person in front of the non-Jew uh, to encourage that sort of stereotypes so of like, hey, yeah, hey, you're Jewish, right? Uh, this guy's not Jewish. Uh, Yeah, it was a great call last week, no? All those things that we are discussing just about the banks and the theaters, like, and you tell the non-Jewish person, hey, uh, just pretend we never had this conversation. Uh, Nobody needs to know about this. Uh, I wanted to tell you a story. When I was living in Seattle, there is a grocery store called PCC. And uh, just... To explain to you a little it's a uh, it's a co-op and uh, if you want to shop there you have to be wearing Birkenstocks or else there's no entry allowed to the store uh, and they sell a lot of arugula uh, you can pay with kale as a currency and uh, honest to God there is a policy there where there is free food fruit for children so uh Always good to take my kids there and ask for a watermelon uh, or cantaloupe. Uh, They want to encourage a combination of socialism, giving the food away, and uh, healthy eating habits, which, um, again, I will take fruit any day of the week. And I was standing in line, and there was somebody uh, who looked kind of deranged, was speaking to the cashier and repeating some sort of Jewish conspiracy theory. And... Uh, You know, because it's PCC and uh, tends to have, uh, you know, I would say more of a a left-leaning political views. Uh, That is how I would uh, describe the demographic of shoppers uh, in that store. Of course, you know, the cashier didn't argue back because... You don't want to interrupt a good anti-Semitic tirade in a, in a, uh, in a grocery store. In short, uh, it was a couple weeks later on a Friday night that I saw this person who was at the cashier, who was talking to the cashier, spewing this anti-Semitic stuff. And I saw him and I remembered his name, and let's say his name was John. And I said, hey, John, uh, remember me from PCC? And uh, of course he didn't remember. And I said, uh, you know, all those things that you were saying about the Jews, I'm like, you know, we have a file on you and we kind of have, you know, helicopters all over the place, kind of listening to these conversations. And in fact, you, my friend, are actually Jewish. You just don't really know it. But uh, yeah, back when you were very young, you were born to Jewish parents. And that's probably one of the reasons why you are experiencing that. Uh, that gave me tremendous pleasure to, uh, to play with his head a little bit. But uh, one thing I will say is about uh, anti-Semitism is that One thing that we have today that we never had before with anti-Semitism is uh, Uber Eats. And so that just means that if, God forbid, there's a pogrom, you can still make an order from Izzy's or Mama's Pizza, and you could just stay in your house, weapons are legal in Florida, and just get the Uber Eats delivered. And that means that as Jews, we've made so much progress over the last couple of hundred years, whereas before... Uh, pogroms, people had to go out and order food. Again, today, Uber Eats is really, uh, you know, the democratizing of, of a pogrom because you can stay at home, order kosher food on Uber Eats, and never have to be exposed to antis- antisemitism ever again um, because everything will get delivered to you. I want to uh, pivot right back into another ad. I've been talking about Casper mattresses. And I hope everybody's out there buying Casper mattresses. Again, you can go on the internet to casper.com and buy a mattress. And uh, a delivery company will deliver to you. And I mentioned before that I once surprised my wife by ordering a Casper mattress. And it was an epic fail. Uh, She did not like it. We returned it. My wife reminded me that Uh, There was another aspect to the story that I forgot to mention. Uh, When I ordered a new mattress on Casper for my wife, it was actually the day that she had a back surgery. And uh, obviously, that is a genius time to order a mattress from the internet right after your significant other has a back surgery. And uh, so, as much as I told you about the fail before, it's actually uh, a bigger fail than I had imagined. Again, Casper took the mattress back, uh, donated it probably to some ho- homeless shelter or sold it to somebody else. If you go to Casper.com, look for any mattress that you want. Enter The Schmuel Tenant House Podcast. They will send you a, ma- a mattress, and you can decide to keep it or not. Uh, so... Uh, I wanted to talk about another topic. The other topic is, uh, as Jews, we have something very unique that I want to talk about, uh, particularly if you are an observant Jew or somewhat of an observant Jew, and that is we have Shabbos pants and Shabbos shoes, also a Shabbos belt, maybe even a Shabbos hat. And that really distinguishes us from the rest of the world because everybody else just has clothing, uh, maybe a suit, a raincoat, but they don't have this clear distinction like, you know, they can wear weekday clothing, but Shabbos shoes. And on Shabbos, sometimes you can go wear your Shabbos pants, but you're wearing weekday shoes. You see, we have, our closet is kind of like, um, just, there's a line in the sand and there's stuff for Shabbos and there's not stuff for Shabbos and I just, I just love the, the idea that we have something unique about our, our wardrobes um, and again it's, it's Shabbos shoes and you know like I guess when you're over 20 you don't care about Shabbos shoes anymore but until you're 20 uh, Shabbos shoes are a very, very important piece of your wardrobe same with again a Shabbos shirt Shabbos pants Shabbos tie Shabbos suit, Shabbos dress, Shabbos blouse, Shabbos shetel, maybe even Shabbos jewelry. I want to uh, add. I want to read one more ad, and uh, I am just killing it today in fake monetization for uh, this podcast. So uh, here's uh, here's here's the ad. Uh, the ad is for Discovery Plus. That is the latest and greatest streaming service that you can subscribe to for another 10, 15, $20 a month, just depending on how quickly they raise their prices like everybody else. So let's say that you uh, have Hulu already, and you have Netflix, and you have Disney Disney Plus, and then you also have Amazon Prime. But for whatever reason, you have 80 hours a day, and you're binging. And it's just still not enough for you. Well, that's where Discovery Plus comes in. Uh, With Discovery Plus, you can watch all the content that's been completely rejected and laughed out of the offices of Netflix, Hulu, Disney, Amazon, right? So if you're looking for bottom-of-the-tier content and talent and writing, uh, Sign up for Discovery Plus. They probably have some sort of short trial period that they can suck you into a full-on subscription. And if you add the Shmuel Tenenhouse podcast, it will benefit you in no way at all. That is all our ad reads for today. Now I want to talk about uh, somebody in my community. People know him. I don't want to say any names, but... He, unfortunately, sweetest guy in the world, but he has Tourette's. And that just means that uh, whenever he's in shul, he will let out a string of expletives that would make uh, anybody blush. Uh, And, you know, what I want to say is this person is the sweetest guy, He's got a potty mouth. It's medical, though, it's a medical potty. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a medical type of potty mouth. But the odd thing is, I happen to agree with like everything that he says. Like everything he comes at, like if somebody walks at the and he says, "You know, "F, you, mother, Effer." it's like the guy is reading my mind and has the courage to say exactly what I was thinking about. And so I feel like on the one hand, I have a lot of compassion for his condition. But on the other hand, I say, you know, kudos to you for saying what everybody else is thinking. And I also find that uh, the filthier things he says, the more and more I find myself uh, agreeing with him. Like, uh, so that's that. Okay, the next thing I want to talk about is being... um, being uh, hosted, my family hosted for people's house for Shabbos meals. So we love getting invited. I love the meals, uh, especially if you don't have to pay for it, especially if uh, we don't end up bringing a gift because then it's just complete win on our side because uh, we don't even bring a bottle of wine or anything and just show up. Um, So, but I I want to add some color to this here and that is, if you're hosting a meal in your house for Shabbos and your guest count exceeds 20 people, I'm sorry to tell you, but that is no longer a Shabbos table. That is now a Shabbos trough. You might as well just bring out bills of hay throw it on the table with a couple of shovels and everybody could strip down to their underwear and roll around on the table and grunt and again I appreciate I really really appreciate that you are the balabusta of the year and that you can figure out how to get the matching cutlery with the napkins and get it all together but do you know how touched it makes me feel that You extended this very special invitation to my family and 30 other people. Uh, Just a wonderful feeling. The other thing I wanted to say is uh, I'm a big fan of uh, napping on the hostess couch during a meal. I find that there's no greater way to express your appreciation of somebody's cooking and hosting than by saying this food was so good like I must get a nap on your couch right here right now and I will catch you in a couple of courses from now. It's also another way to bow your head in respect to the host family by saying not only is your food good but the furniture in this house rocks so and i I, by the way i am being my authentic self if anybody's ever had me over for a shabbos meal i will make my greatest effort to head towards the couch at some point in time maybe 15 minutes in when i realize uh the conversation is uh you know just not for me and uh hop a couple of z's on the on the couch and i really want to uh you know, really encourage people to do the same thing. The last thing I, I want to say is, uh, as we're approaching Purim, I wanted to give a, uh, a public service announcement, a PSA, about Shalach Manas, particularly the ones coming to my house. You can send me whatever it is that you want, and I will do, we will do our best to reciprocate uh, maybe not with our top tier shalach we have our second tier and our third tier. So maybe you'll get the second tier or third tier, just depending on what I think a snap judgment right away when the thing comes into your house. And I can't really rip it apart in front of you to see what's inside of it. I'm just going to make some general assumptions. But here's my request. Do me a favor. Don't bring me a shalach with raisins in it. I think it makes you look bad. It makes me look bad. If you're familiar with raisins are, they are dried out grapes. That means that it looks like you had a bushel of grapes to give me like seven, eight months ago and you forgot and they kind of all dried out in your garage and you package them up in a, in a, in a cardboard box uh, that's smearing all over and you give me the raisins. If you give me raisins, I will, blo- I will block your phone number and uh, any other means that you have in, in communicating with me. And uh, I'll also tell you that if you're going to come to somebody's house and deliver, deliver them a shalach that contains raisins, you might as well just elbow them in the face because that's pretty much uh, what you're doing. And uh, now that I've gotten my thoughts out of the way, we, I'm going to play the segment of uh, where I do the first interview for the Shmuel House podcast with... Uh, the publisher and COO of Fleschik magazine, Shlemy Klein. Hey, Shlemy, can you hear me? I do, yes. Okay, this is amazing. This is Shmuel the Shmuel announce podcast. And uh, thank you for uh, uh, allowing me to do this and for reaching out. And I'll give everybody two seconds of background and then I'll have uh, Shlemy introduce himself. So... Uh, I've been doing this podcast. Uh, there's been no guests up until now, but people have been uh, starting to get fed up with me and my antics and have been begging to have other people and other voices. And so I uh, figured Slimy Klein would be the best and the first to go. And uh, in my last podcast, I was making uh, jokes about Fleishik magazine. And uh, I've been hearing about it lately, which is why it was top of mind. Both, you know, working for a company now, they've mentioned it in a marketing perspective. My wife wanted to go out to a restaurant called Hatemania here in Florida, and she had read about it in Fleishik's magazine. Uh, and then, so I made some jokes, and then somehow got forwarded to a friend of mine, Shlomi Klein, who I went to yeshiva with multiple yeshivas, and Schleimi happens to be the publisher of Fleishik's. And I asked, hey. Would you come on the podcast? You know, nobody listens anyways. It's just me and my wife. And now, Shlaimi. And he said, sure, <laughs> no problem whatsoever. Apparently,
1: other people are listening too because uh, they forwarded it to me.
0: Okay. One other person, Shlaimi. That's four of us. So uh, if you can just uh, introduce yourself, that'll be great. And we, I've. Uh, I listened- will. But
1: before I do, there's something that you are forgetting is that besides going to Yeshiva together, we actually were Chavrusas for. Hasidus in the evenings. And in which is Shiva? Kiryat Gat in Israel.
0: Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And yeah, that, that, that was tough, man. I remember you, you weren't an easy chavrus. How so? Um, you actually made me learn. Okay. <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay. Okay. I yeah, get your old business. Well, we,
1: we, we'd, we'd get in a good bullshit here and there. But uh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I get that a lot. You know, do you, do you find that the, when you go these days, the biggest uh, mashpiyim and shlochem are the ones that learn diddly-squat in yeshiva, and the reverse, the big learners are uh, working in the cannabis industry or doing uh, <laughs> other things they shouldn't be doing.
1: It's a good thing this is being recorded, huh? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so my background. My background um, in food, actually, in the food industry, uh, I kind of dived into it. It was actually a funny story. I mean, I was working on... I'm a cipher. It's in my family for many generations. And then by default, I kind of ended up with that. And I after I got married, I was in Koilo, was working on Safris. I actually specialized in film bottom. And my wife was uh, she had finished her degree, she was doing special education, and I think she just got an itch. And you know, we had we had found like um a physical itch.
0: A physical or you mean more emotional? More emotional, okay,
1: mental, whatever you okay. want to call it. But um, basically we felt that there was, we saw that the kosher food world was starting to like to move in, in, in a different direction. People are getting more serious, people, were, trends were changing and there was nothing out there. There was absolutely no, uh, nothing for the kosher consumer. You know, we were getting Bon Appetit and we were getting Food Network and Food and Wine and, and Rachel Ray, but there was nothing there for the kosher consumer. We we're like, you know, uh, let's, let's do something. We had no publishing backgrounds, no food photography background, recipe nothing. But you uh, did I'm, go to
0: Kiryat Gat yeshiva.
1: We did, and we ate koko schnitzel.
0: That's right. Yeah. So you did have some background.
1: Yes, <laughs> we ate koko schnitzel. We we had listen, the food was that good that I actually had to sell food in Kiryat Gat.
0: Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that.
1: We'll get to that. But basically, okay, let's try to keep it short. But basically, um, we just jumped into it head first. I should say Schiffer jumped into the head first. I kind of like tagged along, but I can say that our first issue went to print. We, we, it was, okay, the magazine was called Bataia Van back in the day, which means Bada
0: petite." Which year is this? Which 2010, year? This? 2010,
1: wow. 2010, okay. uh, we, we, we published our first magazine. We printed we printed 10,000 copies thinking it's gonna sell like hotcakes, what do you mean? And uh, then we realized for the next two months what a challenge it was to actually get it into stores and move it. It was, it was, it was a, lot, a lot of learning on, on, you know on the fly. I, we went, I think my first trade show was actually the Kindersa Schlotten Resource Fair. And I was selling the magazine. Nothing, it wasn't even expensive or anything, but like people want to subscribe. I'm like, what do you mean subscribe? What's subscribe? I didn't you have a website. But uh, yeah, things change. Things move quickly. Actually, within three months, there were three other kosher publications. That wow. That's pretty funny. Yeah. But,
0: so what's uh, your role? What's your role at in Flash Magazine?
1: Okay, so... I'll try. I'll wrap this up quickly. Basically, we went from there. Two of the publications didn't really last more than six, seven months. One other one had some good investors, and they approached us. We weren't in it for ourselves at that time. I was really just taking a back role. I was helping, but Schiffer was running it. And we made a deal where we were we were happy to publish this other magazine and basically put their name on it. wasn't It wasn't about us. It was called Joy of Prose with Jamie Geller. Sure. And we, we published that for about eight years. Fast forward, things went well. Uh, times changed, they went a little bit more digital. They wanted to go more digital. Our our partner, the the investor in the company wanted to go more digital. So we ran the digital side, but we knew that there is a market for the print and that's what we specialized in. But um, we took everything that we learned along the way and we were like, you know what? We already are in a niche market and uh, you want to stand out, you got to do something different. And we went with this Fleishix theme. It was like, at the end of the day, if you look at the meat market, you look at the way people are eating, Flashics definitely has a place. And we went, we went with this name, we went with this theme, and uh, thank god it definitely has worked. It's definitely my goal was the same way you hear uh, Manischewitz is a word like in the mainstream market, or uh, I don't know, Ive is a mainstream word. I want the word Flachix to be a mainstream word. I'll main to it's that word that, that
0: people throw around. So again, what is your so officially what is your role okay. at Flashics?
1: So, Shiffra and I, my wife and I published the magazine. Shiffra handles the editorial side. I handle the business side, distribution, um, subscription, adver- um, advertising, printing. Um, we were sold up until COVID mess things around. We were sold in Whole Foods and Barnes and Noble. Wow. Um, and we're, we're still working on that, but we're changing things up because obviously the way people shop is different. Um, I also handle all the digital stuff, events. We've been, uh, you know, as we're growing, we're doing more events and stuff.
0: Go ahead. So on the, on the masthead of the magazine, what does it say for you? Does it say all of that, or it just has like one thing? Oh, COO. <laughs> uh, COO. Okay. And she, so Shifra is your wife, and she's the... Uh, she's the
1: editor-in-chief.
0: And just knowing you, she's she's, she's got to be the brains behind the operation, right?
1: Definitely, 100%. Okay.
0: Yeah, same here, same here in my house. Um, okay, so then um, another question. Uh, I want you to uh, talk Fleshek to me. Uh, okay. How... How did, it, how did you stumble upon the name Flashix where you're like, this is it, this is what we're going with?
1: It's a good question. There was no, there was no, I didn't just like wake up in the middle of the night and be like, oh, that's the name I want. No, it was, we figured we're going to special, we wanted to specialize in one field. It wasn't gonna be Milfix, although I happen to like Milfix a lot. Yes. And, uh, if people that follow me on Instagram know that um, we do actually, now we're doing an issue once a year, we're doing our shavuos issues called Milchix. But um, we, we felt we were specializing in meats. And got it. what better name? Go for it, you know? Okay. okay. Between you and me, it's not even the easy. It's not, we're both, from a marketing perspective, it's not even the easiest, like it doesn't roll off your tongue. But sure enough. is a little bit harder to say. You get Absolutely. people saying fly shakes, and they, they don't even know how well, to, to pronounce it. Is it is
0: easier than Milchix, because- Yes, because you got that Flay shakes is free. It's chifri, 100%. <laughs> so, uh, okay. So I remember just from being in yeshiva with you because of your family's ancestry, maybe you can elaborate for a second, but um, your family's custom is not to eat turkey. So my question is, do you have like a, a turkey ban? Turkey in a magazine, magazine, a turkey Where ban. A turkey ban. Uh, like some people will, will ban burkas. You guys maybe will ban turkeys.
1: Okay. Um, no, we don't ban turkeys. Um, just a little background. We are descendants of the Schla HaKadish. His last name was actually Hurwitz. So somewhere along the line, our name was Horowitz. It got changed to Klein. Um, I personally, I think I'm a, a best, uh, Ben Achaben, you know, goes straight down the male side from the Schla. And some people have the tradition not to eat turkey because he left, uh, in his will, he wrote that he saw two signs of a bird of prey with a turkey. He saw them eating with its claw. And um, and and it was eating meat. These are two signs of a bird of prey. So he said, it's not about being trafe or not, but he made a personal request that his uh, descendants shouldn't eat it. So I can tell you, in my own family—I uh, mean, in my father's family—there were some some people that were more serious about it and careful, and some weren't. Growing up in our family, we didn't eat turkey, but actually, that all changed in Kirigat. Um We had a the, the the general manager there, the cook coco used to tell me all the time i would ask him you know i was a very innocent 16 year old 17 year old is a turkey is it not Lo, low is the law how do they off off you can imagine israel's chicken i realized after three years that i'd been eating chicken for three years and uh, turkey. Even i was making my i, I was eating turkey even though i was making myself crazy i'm like hey listen i'm still alive and everything's fine it didn't really go too well after that so yeah here and there i was careful but um Definitely no ban in the magazine. Not only that, we've actually featured turkey as a a butcher's cut column. Each issue we do a different, we dissect cows, turkeys, chickens, and we feature a different cut each issue. It's called the butcher's cut. So we've we've actually done one column on turkey.
0: Yep, and and like you said... The, the, the request that he had was his ancestors don't eat it, but n- nothing to do. he never mentioned anything about publishing magazines with it, right? No, he did not. No. Got <laughs> it. Okay. so It's not like you're selling the actual turkey. So then you had mentioned this earlier. I want to ask, what is your personal preference, milchics or flechics? Like at the end of the day, like, you know, you're in an alley. I'm still, like, I'm
1: still one of those guys that, you know, I'm hesitant if it's like Shabbos afternoon or whatever, like to think maybe I want ice cream, maybe I want my coffee and cheesecake do I really want to get Flasheks? So yeah, it is a bit of a hypocrisy, double standard, whatever you want to call it. But I definitely enjoy Flasheks, but yeah, I really, really like Moffitts.
0: Yep. Um, so another question, um, in, just because the name of the magazine, Flasheks, I'm curious if your offices are closed during the nine days or is it more like a casual Friday type thing where people can come in, but they don't mm-hmm. have to give a crap about working that those days.
1: You re- I didn't realize that you're really going to get into like the nitty gritty here. You want the real secret? We actually, every morning we wake up and I make a steam. Okay. Wow. For, during the- <laughs> I knew it.
0: I knew it. Okay. Amazing. <laughs> you thought it every-
1: It's funny. I didn't even think of this, but um, last year, actually, we shot an article. It was for Hanukkah. It was for the Hanukkah issue, but because we're working months in advance, like right now we're done Purim Pesach and we're wrapping up Shvua. So Next week, I think we're shooting already like one of the summer issues. So last year, during the- month must days, be so
0: hard, by the way, to be a from Jew and be so organized at the same time.
1: Um, it's it's actually not that hard. You know what's hard? It's hard when you go to the advertisers and like, I want Pesach ads. And they're like, what do you mean? It's not even Purim yet. <laughs> they think about Pesach ad three days before Pesach. For sure. That's what's hard. But we were, we were, it was in the nine days we were in, we went to Deal, New Jersey. We did an, um, a special shoot with the Special Children's Center. It's uh, Janine Shweki, Yako wife. So we had a whole thing. We made Syrian foods. And there's a bunch of flashy stuff there, so I actually heard a seum. I made a plan to to hear a seum, and um, I'm eating with Yakashweki and I'm tasting everything. But I was the only one there that could, and no one else could. It was just it was it was interesting.
0: Got it. When what was this on on Tishabov? It, it, <laughs> it was the nine days.
1: It was the was the nine days. Okay, so just far.
0: making sure. Um, okay, so that a good
1: header to get though.
0: If you know yeah. someone, let me know. So I have a couple of, more than one, I have a couple of friends on the West Coast who subscribe to Flayshix magazine. I'm curious if you have, or the magazine has a non-Jewish following as well.
1: We definitely do, yes. I mean, kosher, it's interesting. Throughout the years, actually, both when we published Botevon, Joy of Kosher, and Flayshix, it was very interesting to see that you do end up picking up not necessarily non-Jewish, non-kosher eating or non-jewish subscribers or people picking up the magazine at the end of the day the magazine is very professional it's a high-end with a feature in the new york times they actually called us the kosher bon appetit which before covid that actually meant something but nowadays bon appetit has kind of gone a different direction but um so when people pick it up in whole foods and barnes and noble then typically you're not really getting the average kosher consumer or jewish consumer um, you also find that there is this general idea that kosher, I don't know how it happened, but somehow there's this misconception, which is great for us is that kosher is cleaner, kosher is better. And in many ways it is, but that's not the reason why we keep kosher. But because of it, when people see it, they actually, someone that's interested in the food will pick
0: up the magazine. That's so, uh, so interesting. Because again, from a biz- business perspective, just because again, I have more of a marketing background, you know the non-Jewish demographic is just slightly larger Slightly. the jewish population a tad yeah yeah just a tad bigger so now just a tad. uh i wanted to flashback and kira got i remember uh you were a budding entrepreneur you at the time were selling <laughs> malawach and hot dogs you reminded me as well i wonder if that was the early beginnings of you manifesting flashix magazine like maybe that's where it all got started it's interesting
1: it's actually funny i mean i'm, I'm thinking about that um, I actually bought, I bought this hot dog machine off an Israeli. I don't know if you remember him. I, it was there the year before us. His name was Shimon Liani. He actually has a food company today here in the States.
0: Look at this. Um, all, look what happened to all yeah, these people. The selling, you know, basically, if you want your kid to get into the food industry, send him to an Israeli yeshiva. Have
1: <laughs> Listen, if, if the food is that great, you know. I think, but then, then I actually sold that machine off to someone else who lives here in the five towns with me, but he's not in the food industry. He works in BNH. But yeah, basically I would sell, we were doing Malawak and hot dogs. It, it usually ended up that the Israelis were going for the Malawak. We did the hand-grated tomato with the zaatar and stuff. Oh, I remember. And, uh, and uh, the hot dogs, which Israeli hot dogs just are really schwach. Yeah. But uh, I guess the Americans, more so the Americans, were going for the hot dogs. Um, was that where it started? You know, I guess I was always uh, I always I always enjoy food. Growing up in a you know we the Jewish life, the from life is surrounded by food. You look through COVID, like you know you can see kind of like what went up and what went down, and just the food industry just kind of was nonstop.
0: Yeah,
1: our lives are surrounded it's by food. So yeah. Um, yeah.
0: So another question, I'm just curious on the on the business aspect of it from fleshix and again from everything that I hear, it's, uh, it seems like it's it's doing quite well. Like, at what point did you start realizing that this was gonna be a, a viable product? Like that this had legs, um, you know, lots of good potential on the horizon.
1: Okay, well, I, I am lucky in that I've had experience. I mean, this is my third publication. So I definitely learned from my mistakes. And that's why we went with this direction, just play-shakes. Um, Did I know it would be successful? I didn't, but I did make, like any business, we had a business plan. We had certain goals that we felt we needed to meet. And thank God, you know, using the the connections that I've had over the years, using our relationships, which was actually a big part of it. um, You know, my wife and I both feel like everyone has what to contribute. And um, we don't turn anyone away, you know? It's a matter of time or finding something for someone, but we always tried maintaining relationships. And it really did come back to, to repay us with FlayShakes. And uh, the growth has been incredible and we are tremendously thankful to all the people in the industry
0: for it. Incredible, which leads me to my next question where you were saying about always make space for people. Um, Just out of curiosity, a friend asked me to ask you if you guys by any chance are hiring a comedy writer with uh, uh, lower (laughs) self-esteem.
1: Funny thing is, I actually just recently had, um, I wonder if this is your friend or you one, a different friend. But uh, someone did recently just reach out um, about doing like a humorous food column. A Chabad shliach actually. Okay. Um, we also had recently another Chabad shliach wanted to do a food column. Pretty random. But um, we just need to get to it. The truth is that over the summer, you know, now we have themes. You have Purim is a theme and you have Pesach as a theme. Then you have sure Summer is kind of like more summer barbecue is a little bit more chilled. The time when we can actually explore more new columns and different things to like keep it interesting. So we plan to actually tell your friend to send his resume, tell him to send a sample of his writing.
0: Okay, okay, great idea. (laughs) We're gonna make it happen. Um, So uh, next question. So there's another, the other uh, popular Jewish magazine that I think about that's like a, I see in people's houses is Ami magazine. Uh, I'm sure you have a good relationship with them. Uh, But uh, I am curious if you, you know, if there was a street fright that would happen, who would win the uh, AMI staff or Flashing Smack?
1: Okay. Well, it happens to be, I mean, like I said, I'm, I'm very interrelated. I'm, I, I'm a, am I a people's person? I'm all about, you know, networking relationships. I'm actually very close with like the head salesperson in AMI. Um, I've had clients come to me wanting to advertise. And uh, if I feel like I like to sleep at night, if I feel like it's not going to work or it's not, you know. It's, they're not going to get their money's worth. I'll actually send them to Ami Mushbaka. I'll put them in. There. I'll put them or or any of the other publication I feel makes sense. I do have a good relationship with them. The only fight that we would get into with the Ami staff would probably be like some kind of food fight or food contest. And yeah, I would probably win.
0: Okay, I <laughs> probably win. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. I think so too. Um, okay, so now in, in this podcast we talk about the From hustle. Just you know, kind of a big family, tuition bills, and. So that's, you know, that's one of the reasons why we have to hustle and that's why you hustle and okay. I am. Um, I'm curious, other than paying bills, you know, what other motivations or what it, what it really keeps you getting up in the morning uh, to, to do, to do flashics.
1: Okay, so, I mean, thankfully it is our panosa and it, uh, it does pay the bills, but yes, Shifra and I are both very passionate about food. We love cooking, we love eating. Um, I don't know if you, I mean, you definitely remember me from the good old days. I've dropped a couple pounds since then, but I always enjoyed eating. And um, we just, we're both very passionate about what we do. We enjoy it. I mean, you get an email from people, you get messages from people, you know, telling you how much they enjoy it, how much they enjoy it, whether it's the magazine, whether it's the recipes, the articles, the social media, um, they want to come to events that we're hosting. It's just all very validating. And um, we really enjoy what we do. I think that that really is the most important.
0: Amazing. By the way, so I refer to you as the COO of Fleshyx. Are you a co-founder? Are you married to the editor? How do? What's the best moniker? Who's the publisher? Uh, are you the publisher?
1: I'm the publisher.
0: Okay, so you're the publisher. That's the word the I was looking for. You Go are for the it. publisher. <laughs> okay, but does it say on the Masthead publisher?
1: Um, I'm going to have to take a look. I it's think it not. actually says COO.
0: Okay, but you got to put publisher. There needs to, A magazine needs to have a publisher. Otherwise, people are going to be like wondering who publishes this.
1: I we got chief operating officer, and I'm fine. With okay, it.
0: okay. <laughs> Maybe you could do a slash, chief operating officer slash publisher. Okay, just a couple more uh, questions. Okay. First of all, you guys think about. By the doing... way, hold
1: on one second. You just reminded me. Sorry. Um, when I go to trade shows, they don't let a COO come in as media. Then I'm a publisher.
0: Oh, you see? <laughs> yeah. You really,
1: you want to get yep. your. Uh, I Little. think my business card actually says publisher.
0: Okay, good. There you go. That's just the way yeah. it is. Um, okay. Um, are you guys? Do you guys have a podcast of some sort? Are you thinking about some sort of flashcast?
1: We actually do. We actually record our first episode. Oh, wow. Um, I mean, we're on a video, but I actually have my equipment sitting right here in my office, which is a Balagan, But Where do um, people
0: check it out? What do they search for?
1: I didn't get a chance to edit it and post it yet. Okay. We did, we did it, I think, three or four months ago. Okay. Just one of those so, things on the back burner, but I'm I'm hoping soon to get back on top of that. Um, so this is breaking news: flashix will have news. a podcast. Yep.
0: The flash Pod or the Flashcast.
1: You know, uh, I'm I'm not good with names, and uh, what did you call it? Moniker. monikers? Moniker. Monikers? No, it's not even a moniker. I leave that to my marketing guys. My all all, all the, the the interesting lines, all the all the the memes, all the whatever it is comes from my marketing guys. They do a great job. These the Man Sales out of uh, Lakewood, New Jersey. Yep. You know, for a Hamish company, these guys are really at the top of their game.
0: Amazing. Um, Okay. So now uh, I try, what I do is I have fake ads on the uh, podcast just to get in the spirit of making money one day from from this. And so I usually, you know, will shout out a company. So, uh, and then tell people to use the Schmolten Now's podcast to try to finagle a discount too. Um, can listeners to this podcast get a a, a discount to Flashic Mag, or there's no such thing as discounts? Your product is so good you don't give discounts.
1: Um, my product is so good, I don't want to give out discounts. okay, but okay. but i am I'm, I'm happy to give your listeners a code,
0: but okay. it, it would just
1: it, the only condition is it would have to be something like really ridiculous. like they'd have to actually type out the whole name of the podcast.
0: Of course, the Schmuel House podcast.
1: No problem. We'll have to set that up. Okay. I'll, I'll probably get it wrong on the spelling on my end. So that's... Okay, uh, so people should
0: just put it... So new subscribers should put in... Do you even have coupons for subscriptions? Yes, we do. Okay, so people should put in The Schmuel Tenhouse Podcast. And you'll decide, you and Schiffer will decide, you know, what they should get. Uh, oh, now- no, no, I
1: can tell you right now. We're going <laughs> to call it... The code is The Schmuel Tenant Podcast. Oh, my God. Um, all uppercase. And we're going to do an eighteen
0: percent discount. Wow! 100%. Look at that! Look at that! Um, I'll take seven. You know, I'll take uh, ninety-eight. You want to kick back 98, on that? Yeah, ninety-eight percent. I'm just joking. Now uh, uh, it should be, which uh, should be with. We'll Ma- send you
1: your kickback in Malawach hot dogs. You can. Okay, choose. I'll
0: take. I'll take. We'll go. We'll go with the Malawach. Now, for the very cheap people that listen to the podcast, and there, there's, there's quite a few of them. Do they, will they get a? If they already have a subscription. Will you? do they get a rebate or this is just for new new subscribers? Um, the truth
1: is we're very good about it. Um, my subscribers are, the, the, the business stands on subscribers and advertising. So when people email us saying like, you know, they just subscribed uh, or and then they saw a code, I'm happy to adjust their total and give them that code, use the code for renewals. We're very easy about it because at the end of the day, we, we value our subscribers.
0: Wow. Okay. That's great. And then if somebody wants to, somebody listening to this wants to get in touch with Flayshicks either to advertise or on the editorial side, what's the best way for them to contact us? Well,
1: we have uh, either on Flayshicks.com or you can email us info at FlayShix.com. And uh, sure we'd love to chat.
0: Okay. I wanted to th- uh, float an idea and then I have one more question. And that is uh, uh, just, again, put the idea out there about uh, scheduling a volleyball tournament Flashek staff versus um, Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition staff. Uh, I, think it would be, I think it would be killer.
1: Um, volleyball isn't code for some kind of food, is it? No, 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 no. no, no. no. We're actually playing volleyball. Yeah, it would sure? definitely be killer.
0: Okay. <laughs> um, and then final, final last One thing. thing what, what,
1: what would your position be? Referee, you, come on. Referee, okay.
0: I'd be the ref just to make sure, you know, people are, people are keeping, uh, and what,
1: what would the winner, what would the winner get? What would the winning team get?
0: A Free subscription to, you know, it depends if you win, if you, if you're a swimsuit and you win, you get a free subscription to Flashix If you're on the Flashix team and you win, you get a free subscription to No, no. If, if, it actually only comes out no, once a year. So. no. no. If the, a, if, the,
1: if the swimsuit edition people win, then they get some kind of meat package. And if the Flasius people win, they get, some, they get swimsuits for the team.
0: Okay, that's, that's fair. I okay. could
1: use a new Speedo.
0: Okay. Um, you could put, uh, put your flesh in a Speedo. Okay. Um, so do you ha- I want to ask you, just as you leave off, if you have a, a message for, for people out there, hustling from people. I have a message. Piece. Oh my
1: God. I don't realize this is such a serious podcast.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. okay. By the speak. way, no, no,
1: that's fine. It's fine. You know what? I just think of you. Bring actually brings up memories from from gut. We actually we had a we had a, a mutual friend. I haven't been in touch with him for a while. Maybe you have. He but in, in yeshiva he went by the nickname Beloved. You know, Beloved is. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. From Montreal. Montreal? Bingo. Yeah. Yep. yeah. I think I think it was him who used to say freskut vetzaim guts.
0: Wow, deep words. <laughs> good, goods. That's
1: good, that's sein good. That's good,
0: sein Okay, what more can you ask for? Anyways, I so appreciate you taking the time. God willing, I'll publish. Great. It's nice catching up.
1: I mean, maybe months. off, maybe off the podcast and off camera, we can ask some serious yeah. questions. A-
0: absolutely, we can do that. So thank you very much. I got, God willing, I'll uh, put this together and launch it later on this week. Okay. That's great. Take care. Thank you. Thank you, me. Bye. I really hope you enjoyed episode one of season two of the Shmuel Tendenhouse podcast. We'll see you all, God willing, next week if the world is still around. And I wanted to uh, just mention that a friend of mine, his name is Dan, and he's from Seattle, he started a new podcast called Jews on Film where he talks about Jews on Film. So if you like film or you like Jews or you like On, please go find his podcast. And uh, the first one is they talk about the movie An American Pickle, which I think is about a male who has an existential crisis. I actually haven't seen the the movie, but that's what I think it's about. Um, also, I've been in the past, I've been uh, uh, pinging people with episode links, but as I start getting you know 10, 15 listeners, it gets harder and harder to do, and so I'll continue to try sending out links to people. But if you are able to subscribe, uh, that will uh, enable us not to be in contact anymore, which would be run- wonderful for you and for me. Thank you. See you next week. <laughs>